0: This is a little too quiet part of our mini series on keeping motivated. We are at the start of 2021 as we are making these episodes, and we are talking to local authors, local artists, anyone who's creating things. And we have Sarah Miller back on the podcast, local author who has a new book coming out very soon on Penguin Random House, which we're going to be talking about, but several other works to her name some fiction but the majority of which are history books actually and she has sort of made a name for herself by finding i guess forgotten stories stories that were hiding under rocks stories that were maybe obscured from history and often with women at the center now she she had a book early on about one of I think the more famous women of the last 200 years lizzie borden but in let's say misunderstood woman nevertheless and she has a very good book that kind of sets that record a little straighter she's been doing this for for years now she's been sort of digging into history like she's excavating so what has that experience been like in a year like this especially if you're someone like sarah miller who likes to do her work Her tedium her digging through fact after fact after article after article likes to do that kind of thing in a library maybe or in a bookstore or in a coffee shop on her laptop i think that this conversation is great because it it reminds us of how we are missing those third spaces those spaces that just kind of made the work that we would usually do, whether it was an article we were writing or a graphic design thing, or just composing lots of emails. Sometimes when we're doing that in a public space, it makes it easier, it makes it breezier. And I don't know, Sarah is gonna tell us about how she's been working through that. It's, uh, it's a discipline, as is uh, every conversation on this podcast. People have been sharing ways in which they're maintaining their motivation So this is our chat with Sarah Miller. And joining me on the podcast right now is Sarah Miller. Hello, Sarah. Hi. It's so good to to talk to you again. Now, we've been talking to folks who are authors and artists and everyone who has to either go to, I mean, more often than not, they go to a blank canvas or they go to a blank page and they have to do something with that, to put it simply. And we've been talking to folks to see whether or not it's been harder than usual to, to be doing their normal thing, their creative thing, their writing thing. Um, so let's talk to you about what you do. Now, you have written fiction. I feel like I'm towing a line here but you've written fiction but you've also dabble in history which means you do a lot of research so that's been your thing how has your year been we haven't checked in with you for about six months now how's it going i just laid a lot at you right there
1: (laughs) well you know like everybody else there's been a lot of nonsense (laughs) you know just just nonsense um if you want to do research the way I do research, which is to go places and look at things and so th- there's none of that. Yeah. There's, there's none of that. Mm-hmm. Go to the library yeah. and, you know, look at newspapers in Canada. Nope. Um, no, no going to Massachusetts to sleep in Lizzie Borden's bedroom. Can't do that. <laughs> Although honestly, sleeping in Lizzie Borden's bedroom sounds a way more fun to me than a lot. Of what has gone down in 2020. Agreed. So, you know, there's limitations. Yeah. Um. I I would like to have gone to Maryland to do some research about Mary Surratt, who was has the dubious distinction of being the first woman to be executed by the United States federal government.
0: Whoa. When was that?
1: Yeah. You know, heavy. It fits.
0: No. Uh, Yeah, so that's got to be very challenging. I think I even just read an article about how we are now eight, nine months in getting nostalgic for the places where we used to do our stuff, whether it was just recreational reading or research and writing. Um, Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Can I
1: go to a different library in another state? No. No. (laughs) Can I go to the library at the end of my street? Also, Mm -hmm. no.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) You've. Uh, I mean, we can talk about the book that you have coming out in the spring, but have you been able to get work done? I guess it's just a general question. And how's that you gone? Know,
1: I, I can, to a certain extent, actually a pretty big extent because the internet is magic. Um, the The newspaper databases that are available nowadays, and I may have talked about this before, where, you know, once upon a time, you would have to go to the library and take the big bound edition of the newspaper from, oh, let's pick a day, let's say, you know, January of 1915. And you would have to take that off the shelf and turn the pages with your hands and use your eyeballs to find the words that you need that would show you that this article is relevant. Mm -hmm. Where now I sit in a room under a blanket with cat in my lap, and I go to a database and I say, give me, please, everything you have in Australia for late 1914 and early 1915 uh, on Daisy and Violet Hilton. And the internet says, sure, here you go.
0: Sure, sure. <laughs> and I got two images in my head. I got the image of the old microfiche machine. Yes. And then uh, I guess... Is, is there any voice in the back of your head that feels a little guilty? Because the other, the other image I had in my head, and it's a very niche reference maybe, but the 1970s film, of course, all the president's men, they go to the library and they're just going card by yeah. card by card by card and they great. just spend hours and hours and hours and hours there. But you get to have the cat in the lap. It's great. No, I
1: get to have the cat, yeah, but it still is hours and hours and hours. And sure. you're reading, I mean, for the Dion's, I have like, 3,000 and some newspaper articles. No, I I didn't read them all. I read hundreds for sure. But I clicked download 3,000 and some times Mm -hmm. because by the time you see it on the screen, you might as well click download and read it later Mm -hmm. rather than sit there and and decide at that moment, do I need this? Well, I wish I'd had this. Just Mm -hmm. just shut up and get it. Mm -hmm. Um, But the microphone thing thing is funny because for the Dions, when I went up to North Bay, Ontario... Um, They had the North Bay Nugget was on microfilm and that's, you know, that's how it's done. And they had this super snazzy new machine that would scan it into a, you know, JPEG and, and it took forever, forever. Like I was checking Facebook while I was waiting for one scan to process. And I finally went back to the old machine that you turned the film with your hands. And I held up my iPhone to the screen when I found a, an article I wanted, and I snapped a picture because it was so much faster mm-hmm. to do it old fashioned and newfangled at the same time, because purely newfangled was a big nope. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't believe I asked this question so directly in the first time, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to ask it now because I still have this this phrase or quote in my head from you that you you have a high tolerance for tedium. And I just love that phrase about you. Uh, obviously, as someone who's writing about history, you have to go through a lot. And here I was, I was sort of talking to people who might be, you know, racking their brain because they want to write some something fantastical about space or monsters or whatever kind of novel fiction idea they might have. But you are the one chasing down all this information. So you have your work cut out for you. Right. What do you enjoy most about it?
1: <laughs> well. There, there is a sort of, you kind of have to calibrate your head for small victories. You know, when you're when you're sitting there and you're doing one article after another, after another, and it's, in the case of the Dion's, maybe it's, you, know, you get 700 hits in one month in 1936. Well, it's because they made a movie. And, you know, there's all these advertisements for every theater in Pennsylvania that's showing this movie. And that's just mind-numbing. And you sit there and you wonder, do I really need to look at every single one? I don't want to. And then you find that interview with Mr. Dion that nobody has paid any attention to for 83 years or, you know, with the, with the Hilton sisters, Australia, God bless the national library of Australia because they digitize so much stuff. But again, there was this chunk of time in 1914, 1915, Um, where they're traveling through Australia, Tasmania, New Zealand, and all these articles, really, you get a whole bunch of hits, you get all excited, and you look at them closely and you go, oh, this is a notice that they're in this town doing this show or exposition or whatever. And again, boring, Mm -hmm. until you hit this thing nobody has seen since 1915, apparently, which is the government taking notice of these conjoined twins and how they're being treated and wondering if somebody should intervene. And to my knowledge at that point, nobody ever, ever, ever had tried to intervene on behalf of these girls. And by then they were eight years old and there'd been not a blink of an eye at how they were being treated and exploited. And here it is in the newspaper in Australia in 1915.
0: And then go on to add some context to that. This is the book that's coming out in the spring uh, about conjoined twins. I remembered one of their names was Daisy. Tell us about it.
1: Daisy and Violet. Um, They were born in 1908 in Brighton, England, and they were, their mother was unwed. So she had some really big stigma that she was not prepared to deal with. So she um, gave her daughters to the midwife who, uh, to hear Violet and Daisy tell it was up, Pretty terrible woman. Now they were prone to exaggeration because they were brought up in the sideshow world. And that's what you do in the sideshow world. So maybe Mary wasn't quite so awful, but mm-hmm. who knows? Mm-hmm. At any rate, they were put on display from the time they were three weeks old, right? Um, starting in a British pub. And they eventually toured Europe, Australia, and hit the American sideshow circuit in 1916 and and were stayed active in show business for, I want to say, 50 years. That was the life they had known and the life they preferred. The work itself they enjoyed, but they were terribly isolated and mistreated. And their money, of course, was just siphoned right away from them because, you know, (laughs) you know, that's just how it is at that time. Indeed. And in that era. Yeah.
0: um, Something just popped into my head now. I don't know if this thought has ever occurred to you, but, you know, I was talking earlier about trying to dream up things like space Avengers and monsters and what have you, but has the thought ever occurred to you that like, Oh, Sarah, there are so many stories already that have happened that people don't even know about. We don't even almost need to think up new ones. There's all these little gems hidden under rocks. There's stories. <laughs> Is that how you see it? Uh, cause you, you might see the, these two, uh, from history, these conjoined twins as characters, right? But it's a, it's a good story.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the sort of the turning point for me was, um, for fiction, nonfiction, was Lizzie Borden. Mm-hmm. Um, because to that point, I had written historical fiction, you know, take real people and imagine what they're thinking and what they're feeling in, in these situations that are extraordinary. But, you know, we don't have the documentation of what it was like to actually be that human. Mm-hmm. And with Lizzie Borden, the difference was... So much mythology had had grown up around her. We think we know Lizzie Borden. We imagine we know Lizzie Borden. Did Lizzie, you know, like quick, quick quiz. Was she guilty or innocent? Everybody says guilty. Right. P.S. Spoiler. She was acquitted. Right. Nobody knows that. Right. So to me, it was more valuable to Lizzie Borden, the actual person to present only facts. You know, but when I'm, when I'm, doing fiction or nonfiction, there's always a point. There's another voice in my head to say, I'm sitting there doing fact, fact, fact. And there's a voice in my head going, oh, for the love of God, can we just make something up? (laughs) (laughs) And then when I'm doing fiction and have to make things up, there's the opposite voice saying, boy, I wish I could just look this up and see what happened Mm -hmm. instead of Mm -hmm. having to invent and maybe not get it right. You know, that's the risk you run there. is, Is the stuff that you're inventing going to fit with that character so that people who for instance have known about Helen Keller it's she's their idol she you know they love her they've read everything about her Mm -hmm. my version of Helen Keller or Annie Sullivan more properly has to feel familiar to them or I've failed and they're going to shut the book or fling it out the window Mm -hmm. because they want to be with the person they recognize right
0: right I'm just going to keep um, sort of just being witness to your process and your work as <laughs> as someone who's uh, just jumping to to bad conclusions, and I wonder if folks might think, "Oh, what Sarah does sounds a lot like homework, a lot of homework." <laughs> you know what I mean? And then yeah, that kind of... <laughs> that person might go on to say, "Oh, she must she must just really enjoy that and enjoy homework." <laughs>
1: and you know, another way to look at it, um, which may surprise you, is this could be considered a form of fan fiction ah i love it you know yeah yeah this is you know like novel length yeah. or or you know full length feature <laughs> fan fiction in a sense right especially when i'm doing you know, obviously fiction right you know, you're taking something that is known and you're expanding on it when you do historical fiction right and that's really what people who write fan fiction are are doing. It's mm-hmm. it is a, it's an homage, you know, to mm-hmm. to something that exists and that they love. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And another image I got as you were describing your process was I I saw you as this is a disparate image, but I saw you as an ex- excavator looking for dinosaur bones, almost because that's what it's like.
1: Oh yeah. And yeah.
0: Y- you'll only occasionally find that that bone, but
1: right, right. And you're gonna find like one. I'm going to use a fancy word, metatarsal. You're not going to find the T-Rex skull, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. because you're just not. This this stuff has been around long enough that people have already dug up the real big bones. Yeah. But there are still a lot of little bitty bits and pieces scattered around that, you know, if, if you really start to dig and sift and sift and sift, you can start to find little pieces that you can arrange together in a larger picture that maybe hasn't been seen yet.
0: From a creative standpoint or just from a let, like, let's like let try to do our work perspective, um, this is a year, I think, if I'm to be presumptive, that maybe taught a lot of us how to be more patient because it kind of forced us to be yeah. uh, more patient or just kind of sit in the moment. And maybe we might, a lot of us, maybe we're staying home from work for a while and we, after living such an exciting life of social media and uh entertainment stimuli overload we were (laughs) you know we were kind of bored and we had to and so that's why i see you know a lot of people went into these crafting or baking worlds so i don't know Mm -hmm. they they got into Mm -hmm. being patient yeah i imagine that that's always been a virtue for you uh because (laughs) what you do what
1: i do is
0: patience so what was this year at all uh, a sort of Twilight Zone where we all got patient and Sarah didn't get patient? Did you have any (laughs) challenges being patient this year or were you able to just get, was there something about what you were able to work on that helped you get through, I guess.
1: Well, I mean, lifestyle is one of my least favorite words because I I take the George Carlin approach, which is if you want to know what a moronic word lifestyle is, all you have to do is realize that in a technical sense, Attila the Hun had an active outdoor lifestyle. (laughs) 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 Anyway, uh, my lifestyle hardly changed. Like, you know, I, I, I have to eat more takeout, which was always my preference anyway, instead of eating at the restaurant. But yeah, I'm sitting at home. I don't go to work. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that's been tough just because there's, there's so much stuff hitting so many fans is just trying to keep everything in your head in order mm-hmm. um, right now. Like with, with the Mary Surratt project, that's, that's a trial. That's a big, that's a seven week military tribunal. And it's a conspiracy to upend the government. There's a lot of details yeah. you know, to, to hold on to if, if you're going to present that in a way that people can digest it and enjoy it. Right. And, you know, when police officers are kneeling on people's necks until they die, and when, you know, the president, the, the leader of the free world is denouncing the elect election process, mm. that kind of takes up space in your head. Yeah. The stuff that has gone on this year takes up a lot of space mm-hmm. that we're used to using for other things. And it just leaves you with fewer resources, you know, to do what you got to do.
0: Yeah, that's that's been sort of a a phrase that's kind of come up with a lot of writers so far in this podcast is that you might be working on your thing for two to, uh, two hours, three hours out of your day. But for the other 16 hours, you're awake and absorbing all this information and it's coming mm-hmm. into your brain. And you need that brain later for your writing, and it's just... right.
1: You know, you got to you keep all got to keep all your little details all stacked up neatly and in their their proper yeah. pigeonholes and and whatnot. Just so yeah, it's just it's really tougher to mm-hmm. get your ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. Is is an oversimplification, but you know that's <laughs> I'm working with limited resources, right?
0: <laughs> well, uh, but so. I think April is still the plan for your next book. April is the someone? plan for
1: the Hiltons. Yep, mm-hmm, for sure. Okay. okay,
0: might be. It might be the reality. Might be that we're doing a virtual book release even then. But right, we'll see. You know,
1: I say for sure, but you know, as Grandpa Miller used to say, "God willing, and the creek don't rise."
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we're still waiting for the creek to go down.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, and then I guess another thing, and maybe this could be my wrap-up question, and it kind of goes into. How, I don't know, this is a tricky one. I think that what I'm trying to get at is here we are, we're, we're trying to work in extraordinary times, and you are already, forgive the phrase, subjecting yourself uh, <laughs> to the tedium. And, you know, I just, have you had any problem before now, or even currently now, uh, with, I guess, self-applied pressure, are you hard on yourself, are you going easier on yourself, are you finding that you, the writer, now have to indulge a bit of self-care, you know, I think that's important, you know what I mean?
1: I mean, I, I think it's fair to go easier on yourself this year, just because it's just so outrageous, right. but then if you're like me, and, and your day-to-day routine has hardly been disrupted... That doesn't feel like like it applies to you mm-hmm. quite as much. But then on the other hand, you know, there's not the outlets currently. If you're sitting at home looking at 752 newspaper articles in an afternoon, there's not really a good outlet to relieve that tedium. Like, okay, my my work is done. What tedious thing shall I now do for fun? <laughs> it's kind of your option.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. I got to think of how how we might have underestimated how refreshing it would have been. Let's say you looked at 700 articles mm-hmm. on, on, a, on a Sunday and you went to, if you went to a, a physical library and spent yeah. four and a half hours looking at 700 articles, there's something different about the fact that for the first 30 seconds walking into the building, you see a human being and say hello, and for the last, mm-hmm. you see the human being at the desk and say goodbye. That would make the day just a little uh, brighter, even though it is still. Yeah, teen. and you know,
1: maybe on your way home, you think, "Boy, that was a good day's work." I feel like Thai food. Exactly. I'm gonna yeah. call up my friend, and we'll just go. Yeah. Get some Thai food. Like, right. Well, I mean, you kind of can, but it's just it's it's not the same.
0: So I'm saying, Sarah, don't get drowned in the work because you don't have that. <laughs> you don't have the Thai food life preservers anymore.
1: <laughs> no, there's.
0: A... <laughs> so I want you to go easy on yourself.
1: duly noted Uh,
0: Sarah Miller it's been a pleasure uh, once again so thank you so much uh, it's always fun for joining us on this podcast we'll have links in the show notes about the upcoming book and all the previous works thank you Sarah
1: super cool thanks
0: And that was our chat with Sarah Miller, local author. Lots of nonfiction history books to her name, but also some fiction. The website, easy to remember, MillerBooks.com, which we will have a link to in the show notes. The books we talked about uh, today, The Borden Murders by Sarah Miller. We also talked about The Miracle and Tragedy of the Dion Quintuplets. And then the book that she has coming out in the springtime, set for release on April 27th, is called Violet and Daisy the story of vaudeville's famous conjoined twins so we really appreciate sarah miller being on the podcast again talking to us about how she is staying motivated this is a little to quiet the ferndale library podcast my name is jeff milo and this podcast is brought to you by the friends of the ferndale library you could rate review subscribe or tell a friend or you can visit ferndalefriends.org if you'd like to support this podcast we appreciate you listening and we're hoping that you are staying motivated.